Thank God our dear Heavenly Father for this great and wonderful day. Thank this uh, congregation for this opportunity and the brethren, sisters, and all for this opportunity to come together to share God's mighty and awesome word. As I always tell folks, God is an awesome God. He's a caring God. He's a loving God. We know that because he sent his only begotten son so that we could have our sins forgiven and that we could have an eternal relationship with him. Uh, Brother Art gave me a lesson talking about respect for God, but he wanted me to incorporate another lesson that I have into this uh, lesson. So uh, when we uh, get into the lesson, we'll see some of the aspects because in the world and the day we live in, people really don't have this true and great awesome respect for God. All the uh, texts for our lesson today come from the book of Psalms 89, 5 through 7. It simply says, he assigned me verse, it was verse 7, but to uh, make everything work like it's supposed to, it had to be verses 5 through 7. And it says, In heaven, and the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For, for who in the heavens can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is, great, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. And so when we look at this, this is the basis of our lesson today, but when we look at it, we'll have many other aspects as we get into our lesson. He gave me quite a few questions, and he gave me uh, about three pages of stuff, and I looked at it, and, and I said, well, I'll try to get in what I can. I reduced down and just stick to some main points because uh, get off overboard into too many things, we probably uh, lose everything we were trying to get into. But some of the things that was uh, asked to cover in this lesson, uh, what does the statement of the psalmist mean when he says God? Please discuss the name of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Please explain what it means to greatly fear God and how do we show the great uh, fear of God? Is this great fear to be shown a place other than the assembly of the saints? How do we uh, know about God's character and about God? How do, we, uh, how do the names of God give us an appreciation of, of God's character? And some of the things being addressed today is respect for God, his word, his name, his sanctuary, his service, and it was many other aspects. And uh, we just address a few of these uh, here in this lesson. And so we look at the word respect. What is respect? Is it just something we just come up and think about? or it really has some meaning behind it. So when we look at respect, what we are talking about, or when we're talking about God and we're talking about others also, it just simply carries the uh, idea of, of something being highly esteemed, something that we revere, something that is greatly honored, and something or someone that we look up to. And in other words, sometimes we say, uh, we look up at that person as honor or got high value. But the thing about it, when I was looking in the Bible, especially the King James Version, uh, when it addressed talking about respect, the main thing in the King James Bible, when it talked about respect, it would respect the person, not really focusing on respect uh, for God. And so when we look in the Bible and look at respect, mainly it's talking about respect of uh, person, partiality, and other things along that line. So, but when we look at respect in the Bible, really respect in the Bible when it's referred to God is really talking about reverence. And when we look at reverence, uh, some of the components of reverence is fear, respect, and awe. And so this is the things that we look at when we are talking about God. And when we look at reverence, it's not something just really focusing on what we would call the external things, but 
When we look at reverence, is a response to God's greatness, his power, his holiness, his mercy, and uh, many other aspects of who God really is. And so when we look at this, we can really understand and grasp who God truly is all about. It's about really having an attitude toward God based on that God is holy, that he's godly, and that in the end, after all of these things, it's not just something we're just going to be reading about, but it's something that uh, we respond to and we obey God and make it a part of our life. Why? We look up to him, we honor him, and we have a relationship with him. Uh, this lesson uh, ties into a lesson that uh, I heard I gave, and this is uh, wanted me to incorporate this into the lesson. And the lesson I gave was called Know God and Know Jesus Christ. And that lesson was based on uh, John, the 17th chapter, and verse 3. And it simply says, this is eternal life. Some of the modern translations, this is life uh, this is life eternal. Some of the modern translations said this is eternal life. What? That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who thou has sent. And we'll uh, cover some of this as we go through the lesson. And the thing about it is uh, having reverence for someone and about something. You need to know them and know something about them and who they uh, truly are. And that is something that is lacking in our culture and society today. Uh, when we live and look at uh, things in our culture, in our society today, uh, there's uh, in many ways a lot of uh, not respect for God and Christ and the word of God. And really this comes from in what we call a modern society where we have so much what is called social media. We have the radio, we have TV, we have the internet and all of these things and the way they are, uh, end up approaching things and doing things, it under undermines the things of God. For example, everybody heard about Homer Simpson. And so what it is, they demonize fatherhood and the role of a father that uh, children are to look up to. And uh, because the people, uh, children don't look up to their father, they really don't look up to God. And so we undermine some of the basic principles that are supposed to exist in society and in culture. It also goes to the way it affects people's hearts and minds when they look at God. And the video games and social media and all of these things affect the way people look at things and the way people think in our culture, in our day, and in our time. When we look at uh, reverence, or we look at respect, one of the examples I look at in the Bible is look at Job. Job was a man that really had reverence for God. And you look at his life and uh, the things that he went to and the way that he approached things, we can understand the reverence and respect that he had for God. Simply tells us in Job, uh, the first chapter, about Job, it just simply says, Job was blameless and upright, a man who feared God and shunned evil. And so when you look at this, uh, he's a great example to understand what it is to have respect or reverence for God. When we look in the uh, Old Testament, there really is two Greek uh, Hebrew words for uh, what we will call uh, fear. And when you look at these two words, they have uh, two meanings. And uh, these two meanings, when you look at them in a way, one just means terror or dread. So that is something that you really fear because of what uh, can happen uh, to you. But the other word just simply means a state of reference, a uh, state of reference of worship or awesomeness. And the second word really itself, it also be translated awe. And so uh, these two words in a way bring out what it really is to have a great honor and respect for God. Because one of the things uh, many people today, uh, today do not have really what is called a, a true fear of God. 
A lot of people think hell is just something just mentioned on a whim in the Bible, but many people will be surprised one day when things come about at the end of time. But when we think about fear in the Bible, the Bible gives us some great things to understand about the fear of God. And this is one of the aspects when we look at having a reverence for God. When you look at uh, the fear of God, the fear of God uh, will uh, cause people to sacrifice their life for God. And so people will think this should be something just the opposite, but because they have such a high honor and value and respect for God, it will lead many people to even sacrifice their life for God. And we can see what happened down or through the centuries. Also, when we look at having the fear of God, uh, it prevents people from uh, succumbing to peer pressure and to sinning because they understand how great and holy God really is. But also, uh, when we look at the fear of God, it causes people to shun evil. We'll just look at some of the uh, statements and verses, not going to all of them because we do not have time for this, just to understand what fear does for individuals when we think of things based upon the word of God. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, Psalms 111 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord lent his life, Proverbs 10 and 27. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of lives, Proverbs 14 and 27. The fear of the Lord is his treasure, Isaiah 33, 6. Uh, in the field of the Lord, there is security, Proverbs 14, 26. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, uh, uh, Psalms 112 and verse 1. The field of the Lord is to uh, hate evil, Proverbs 8, verse 13. The field of the Lord will keep you from sinning, Exodus 20 and 20. And he who walks upright fears the Lord. And so when we look at this reverence in this way and understanding uh, about God, that you have this uh, respect and this reverence for him, you can see how it affects, uh, will affect not just one little area of your life. In the end, it really affects every area of your life. Also, there we just want to read one of the verses. We're going to have time to read them all. And the one is we'll take is that Exodus 20 and verse 20. It simply uh, says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And so... Fear has a good purpose. It uh, leads people to be right, holy, and have a great relationship uh, with God. God came to send his only, God sent his only begotten son. Why? To make the great sacrifice for our sins. And since he's making that great sacrifice for our sins so that we could be delivered and saved from sin, so he don't want us to keep living uh, in sin. And so having this fear of God will lead people to not live in sin, but to live a life that is according to God's divine will. Also one of the aspects of uh, what we will call reverence for God, that is awe. In other words, that is to have what you call a very high respect for God. And this uh, will have affect your attitude about worshiping God and have a great adoration for God. Why? God is great. God is awesome. And when we look at who God really is, that's why the song said he is worthy to be praised. And so our devotion and our praise toward God would not be something we would take light. We would know that it's something serious because of who God really is. When we look at Psalms 89, where our text was taken from, when we look at the whole chapter, the first part of the chapter deals with the, in, uh, uh, when we look at uh, God, in uh, come, 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 God, that no one can, can be compared to. 
uh, incomparable God that no one can be compared to. Not no one, not nothing, not something can be compared to God. And the second part deal with this covenant with David, which we will not get into or uh, even uh, talk about uh, in uh, this lesson. That is why when we look at the statements that were stated in our text for today, there in Psalms 89 and 6, uh, it first says that who is in heaven can be compared to our Lord, who among the songs of the mighty can be likened unto our God, our Lord. And so when we look at that, you can easily understand there is no one like God. There's no one in this universe. There's no one on earth. There's no one like God. There are many verses and statements where we can find in the Bible that makes it clear that there is no one like God. For example, over in the book of Isaiah 45 and 6, it says, I am the Lord and there's none else. There's no God beside me. I girdle thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the, from the west there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. And from that alone, we know how great and awesome God is. But we can look at other things to understand God, who he is, distinguish him from all other gods, all other people, mankind, and everything else. Over in the book of uh, Isaiah 46 and 9, it says things here about God, that there's no other gods like him, there's no other like him, but it makes a statement that, that we as human beings were stated in a, a different way and a different light. He says that he tells the end from the beginning. If a human being would have said it, he said the beginning from the end. In other words, God knows the end of everything before it ever occurs and everything is going to happen. He knows what the end of time is going to be like, and he just gives us a revelation so we can understand what these things are before they are going to ever happen. And so that's what distinguishes him from everyone else. But there are many different religions in the world, and when we look at all those religions, what separates Christianity from all other religions is prophecy. And many times we do not spend enough time talking about prophecy because when you uh, look at the uh, early teachings uh, in the Bible, in the, in the book of Acts and all the other places, and all the teachings that they were doing was based upon prophecy. It showed that God showed everything about Jesus ahead of time before he walked on the face of the earth. And he gave revelations about other different things. And so by not uh, talking about prophecy or teaching on prophecy, you leave a void in what true uh, biblical uh, Christianity and things truly are all about. But when we look at God, God's attributes and who he is, we can understand when you understand his attributes, you would have a respect and a reverence uh, for him. I just put a list up here, we're not going to cover them, but so you can understand uh, some of the things who we are. God is eternal. God has no end. God has no beginning. God is God. We have a beginning and we have an end. God does not have those things. God is wisdom. He got, he got the wisdom to know everything that is happening and going to ever happen. When we think about God, he's immutable. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. We can only be in one place in one time. God is holy. That means holy, that means he's special, that he's set apart, and he has no sin in him. Uh, God is love. He's righteous, and he is true. And when we look at these attributes and many other attributes about God, 
we can simply understand there is no other. And from these things alone, we can understand about God that God is someone that we need to have a high reverence for and that we should truly and awesome respect because he is God. But when we look at God, the statement stated there in Psalms 89 verse 5, it says, All heaven praise your great wonders, Lord. Why would they praise God great wonders? Look at the things that he has done. First of all, it tells us in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, what? God, not man, not a monkey or anything else. God created the heavens and the earth. That is a wonder in itself. Scientists, biologists, all kind of people to every level of life are still studying this vast and great universe. They're looking down in the ocean, in the seas. They're looking at the skies, looking at the stars. They're studying this great universe that we live in. But man tried to come up with something to undermine that. They came up with evolution. But that still does not take away the great things in God, what he has done in creating this great vast universe. We know a lot about people, by the things that they do. You know, sometimes people say, why in the Bible just doesn't set a chapter or a book beside to tell us about God? Well, when you read the Bible, if you understand and read it right, it tells you everything you really need to know about God. Just for example, if I mention Microsoft, people can tell you all kinds of things about Bill Gates. Bill Gates, I tell you, I mentioned Tesla. People can tell you everything about Elon Musk. We can go down the list of individuals. Sometimes it ain't about what something people say about somebody, but people see the things that they have done, and that's the way people know all about them. And when we look at uh, uh, Genesis 1-1 and we look at the whole entire chapter, we can understand God is a super awesome being. And when we look at him, we can understand he got to be a genius, he got to be smart, and many other things to create this vast universe in which we live in. Look what the psalmist said in Psalms uh, 33 and, eight and 9. He says, let the whole earth, what? Fear the Lord. That's what I come up about that, having respect again for God. That all who live in the world stand in awe of him. That's that other aspect of reverence uh, for God. For he spoke and it came into existence. He issued the decree and it stood firm. And so when we look at this creation in which we live in, we should have honor and respect for God. We can look at the six days of Genesis and look how God created everything. And we go down the list day one to day six. And we see how God spoke and things came into existence. And when we look at all of these things, we have to have a great reverence and respect for someone being able to accomplish all of these things. These things are not something that's thrown together. It was detailed. It was planned. And everything that happened during those days was by the might and power of the great and awesome God. And so when we think about God and his abilities and the things that he can do and the things that he has done and the things that he is going to do, we should have a great reverence for him for who he truly is. Look what it says again over in the Psalms, Psalm 77, 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is the thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great 
a God as our God. Thou the God that does his wonders. Thou has declared thy strength among the people. If you were the Jewish person and reading these things, you would think about the things that God done for them uh, in, the, in their history. And there are many things that we could cover that God done for the, the children of Israel in their history. First of all, they was down in Egypt. Uh, they became slaves in Egypt. They were suffering at the hands of Pharaoh. And God delivered them out of that situation by Moses. And but before that happened, Pharaoh did not want them to leave. And God had ten plagues to come up on Egypt. And when we look at those ten plagues that come up on Egypt, they knew it was by the mighty hand of God. And God uh, led them out of Egypt. He used Moses to lead them out of Egypt. They came to this great body of water, which we refer to as the Red Sea. They realized they could not swim because they realized if they tried, most of them was going to drown. But what did the great and awesome God do? God parted the waters. He parted the sea. And they was able to walk, walk through on dry ground. But not just he did that, they walked through and the enemies tried to cross and he had the waters to come back and it killed and destroyed them. But he did other great wonders with them. Just think about the walls of Jericho. If someone wanted to tell you, walk around a forted city and the walls would come down. Everyone would say, you've got to be crazy. But God told them, to go and walk around the city of Jericho. And they went and walked around the city of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. For that, you would have to have a great reverence, honor, and respect for God. Only God could do such a great and awesome thing. And so for that, that lets us to have great honor and respect for God. But while we was in Genesis, so I just going to put this in while I was over there. One of the greatest things that God has ever created and ever done is made man. Man is not just some afterthought. Man is something from the heart of God. It tells us in Genesis 1, 26, that God said, let what? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. I used to always wonder what we as human beings supposed to be like. And the Bible simply tells us in a couple places directly what we're supposed to be like. The Bible tells us we need to know God for, who we, for us to know who we are. And that is the problem with man today. Man is coming up with all these different philosophers trying to find all these ways for who, what we ought to be like and the things we ought to do. And all we have to do is read it in the Bible. The Bible tells us that we are made in the image and likeness of God. That tells us who we are and what, how we ought to function and what we ought to be like. So for we as human beings, we as mankind, we as children of God, we need to know and understand God. And also when we understand this, when we look at things in life and in this world, we look at our time today and we look at our different cities where the murder rate is out of sight. Our people have no value for life. People have no respect one for another. The reason that people are to have respect one for another, the reason that people are to have a value for life, and that simply comes down because man is made in the image and likeness of God. That is why man has a value, because he's in the image and likeness of God. 
None of the other animals have it made in the image and likeness of God. So when we look at mankind, the reason you respect your fellow man, the reason you have value and honor for your fellow man is because of God. That God, you are made in the image and likeness of God. And so that's what makes things unique when we think about God. And so since we are made in the image and likeness of God, we should have a high reverence and respect for him. And that's why we said having respect for God leads to having respect for others. When people do not have respect for God, they do not have respect for others. I tell people many times, I say, when you look at uh, some of the situations in certain places where uh, life is being taken, war zones, uh, in cities where I got all the gun shooting, I just say, God is not a part of these people's lives. If God was a part of their life, uh, they would not do this to other people. Just a verse to go along with this, reading out a modern translation to kind of get the point, point across, and that is uh, 1 Peter 2.17. It says, recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and holy awe of God. Honor your rulers. And so it's just simply for us to understand if we have reverence and respect for God, then we're going to have respect for our fellow man. And we'll not be trying to do things to cut people down. We'll be doing things to build people up. Also, when we think about having reverence and respect for God, it goes to God's mighty, awesome, and holy name. We must respect God, but we must respect God's holy name. And when we look at God, we're not to take his name in vain. When we look in the Bible, there are many titles and there are many names that are given to God, but some names are more special uh, than others. And so when we look at that, we look at God, we look at Jesus, uh, all of these things mean something. In the English language, people write a book and put down names, and uh, names really don't have a meaning. But when you get into the Hebrew language and uh, Greek language, but I really love the Hebrew language, everything has some great and awesome meaning and things behind it that, that uh, English will never have and occur. When you read a name in the Bible, it does, of a, even of an individual, it's something there for, it's there for a reason. It's not there by accident. Everything in the Bible serves a great purpose because of it came from God. And so we need to understand that. We need to re have respect for God to honor his name and to always hold it into high esteem because of who he is. Just some of the verses to understand that is uh, when we look at the Bible, the word of God in Exodus 27, it says, you shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. For Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who take his name in vain. Leviticus 23, 32, you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be made holy among the children of Israel. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. And when Jesus gave us the model prayer, oh, in Matthew 6 and 9, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So it lets us know when we think about God to hold his name in high respect. God's name is something great. God's name is something that is special. His name is something to be honored and not something just to be taken for granted. We would like to look at just some of the uh, names that are given to God to understand how awesome it is when you think about the name of God. 
And the first name we'll look at uh, is in the Bible. If you got the King James Version, you'll see the word L-O-R-D all the way through the Old Testament. Every time you see the word L-O-R-D is capitalized, it's really a, a substituted for the real name of God. The name should be there, Yahweh or Jehovah. And this is in the Old Testament uh, around 6,600 times. And this is what is really the proper name uh, for God. And the thing I tell people, I said the modern Bible is a great book, but the modern Bible, when we look at it, it really takes away from understanding so many different great principles that there are in the Bible. Because the modern Bible we have today really is a great reference book. It's not set up really in a way that you will grasp and understand the things that you really need to fully understand. For example, when we think about God's name, uh, God's name is not really heard much in our culture and in our society. Really, God's name is not even heard among, much among our own people. When we are thinking about, talking about the real and awesome name of God, Yahweh or uh, Jehovah, uh, the uh, Jewish people looked at God's name as something was so special, something that's so high, they did not even want to use God's name unless it was just some very, very special occasion. And that is why they substituted Lord uh, into, the, into, the, into the Old Testament instead of using God's name wherever it was. For example, God had the Old Testament set up in a special way. That when you read the Old Testament, you were going to say God's name so many times, it was going to be ringing out of your ear. When you went to sleep at night, God's name was going to be uh, flowing through your head. When you went to work in the day, because when you read the Old Testament, you would hear God's name so many times that uh, God would be on your mind. But when we look at what I call the modern Bible, because his name is not there in that fashion, we do not think about God in that way. And the way his name is used, it reveals so much about God. Some people like to use the Hebrew, Yahweh. Some people like to use the Greek or English saying uh, Jehovah. And when we look at this, this is telling us something special about God and the way that it's used over in the Old Testament. And this name Yahweh or Jehovah is tied to uh, Exodus uh, 3.14 in a way to understand about God. When God says, I am that I am. You know, we read statements like that and we really don't grasp what the meaning of it is. What does it mean to say I am that I am? What does it mean to mankind? It has to mean something to us, whatever it is. What God is telling mankind, what God is telling you and me, whatever you need, I am. You need a savior, I am. You need a deliverer, I am. You need food, water, location, whatever you need, I am. God is telling you everything man need, I am. Am. That is why Jesus used the I am's. He was just letting you know everything you need, I am. And so that is what God is to mankind. Oh, in the book of Exodus 6, chapter verses 2 and 3, it says, And God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by the, my name, Lord, I was not known to you. It really should read like this I am Yahweh. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. God, God Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I was not known to them. And so when you read that L-O-R-D all the way through the Old Testament, 
Uh, you can uh, put Yahweh or Jehovah there. There have been modern translations now in the last few years. They have went all the way through the Old Testament and put in Yahweh or Jehovah uh, in those places so people can understand and know that. These are some of the uh, names and titles right here when we look at the things of God in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a lesson that is a, a series in itself and going to all the details about these names and what all of these names mean when we are thinking about God. We'll just cover uh, some of these so that we can get to uh, understanding the S out of it so we can have reverence and respect uh, for God. For example, Elohim, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He used the word Elohim. Elohim is a plural form of the word El. And so when we look at that, it tells us something about God, that he is the supreme one, he's the mighty uh, one, that he's the all-powerful one. He is the one that uh, is the creator, sustainer, and superior judge of the world. And for this, we ought to have great awesome and reverence for God. Uh, El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. The word E-L is just what we said earlier is for God. So when you ever see that attached to something, it's telling you uh, God, God Almighty. And when we uh, uh, look at that, we can understand he's the one, he's a covenant God, and he's the one that can accomplish anything that he says and do. Also, it's uh, Jehovah Jireh, or we can uh, say uh, uh, Yahweh Jireh, and that means the Lord will provide. What did God do for you? What did he do for me? When we read about Abraham, it said it was a ram in the bush. And it says God was going to provide. God did provide. God provided his son. He came to earth. He clothed himself in human flesh, walked among the human race, went to a cross, suffered and died, shed his precious blood. And God provided the lamb for you and me. God made a provision so that we could be delivered, so we could be saved. And so Jehovah Jireh tells us something about God, that he's the provider, the one that will provide for our salvation. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, that means the Lord will heal. And so all of these places, I keep saying L-O-R-D, uh, you put in that uh, Jehovah and it will come out to mean a lot more. It says, uh, it says, if you will listen carefully to the Lord your God, to Jehovah your God and do what is right in his eyes I will not bring on you any of the diseases for I am the Lord who heals you it's Jehovah Rapha and so that telling us something special about God and who he is to understand him and our relationship with him uh, Jehovah Shalom God is our peace Gilead built an altar to God Billiam thought his life was short coming to an end, but God gave him, delivered him, gave him the victory, and he brought him peace of mind. And so he called the altar what he built, or the Lord is our peace. In other words, the word really is translated, Jehovah is our peace, or Yahweh is our peace. And the thing about it, when you read it that way, it focuses upon him. It said God is this. It didn't say God is about this. That put things in a whole different light because it makes things with God personal. Also, over in Jeremiah 23 and 6, uh, it tells us that uh, God, the Lord is our righteousness. And so from that, is God is the only one that can make us right. We can't make ourselves right. True righteousness can only come through by God making us right in the way that he set forth to do things and understand those principles. Uh, also, in Exodus 17, 15, it said Jehovah Nisi, or Yahweh Nisi. 
The Lord is our banner. Oh, he's the one, our miracle worker. And uh, Moses built his altar uh, to God because God gave them the victory. And so from that, it made God personal to them. So by having God made being personal to them, it uh, brings a such respect and a reverence to God because the way God affects their lives, and we can understand it in the same way, the way God will affect our lives also. Also, when we're thinking about respect and reverence for God, we have to have respect and reverence for his word. Why? The Bible does not come from the heart of man. It comes from God. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, 17, when we read this, that all scriptures, what is given by the inspiration of God, and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, thoroughly, uh, may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He said all scriptures, not some, not a few, all scriptures are given by the inspiration of God. In other words, all scriptures are God-breathed. It comes from the heart of God. And so that lets us know that the word of God is something special because it came from him. Over in the Old Testament, God told the children of Israel that they had to have a divine respect for him and his word. He told them not to add to it, told them not to take away, he told them to go into the land, that they were to follow and do the things that he said, his statutes and his command. And if they do those things and do it according to him, then how they would be blessed beyond measure. And when they did it, they was blessed. And when they didn't, all kind of things happened to them. Why? God is going to live up to his word. It tells us over in Psalms 138 and verse 2, I will worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for thy love and kindness. And for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. God showed you how much he valued his word. His word he values greater than his name because his word is what his reputation truly is all about. You know, you hear people say a lot of things in the end, they didn't do them. And so since they didn't do them, people lost faith and confidence in them. Everything God says is going to accomplish, be done and accomplished because who said it? God said it. So therefore, we can have faith in him, respect him and have trust in him and respect God's mighty and awesome divine word. Also, when we look at God and look at God about worshiping him and having respect, great and honor for him, uh, we can look at many different places in the Bible. But one of the great places to look over in the book of Revelation you read the book of Revelation, the fourth chapter. It shows this divine scene in heaven. And it shows the things that are happening and things that are going on. And when you read the scene, you can see everyone now on that occasion, in that place, they had a respect and a reverence for God. It says, and the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rested not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lived forever and ever. Look at this scene, how the creatures in heaven, how they honored God, how they lift up praise to him. And so when we look at heaven itself and we see what's going on up there, what you think ought to be going on here in planet Earth? We ought to have that same divine honor and respect that those in heaven, that the angels are 
giving God. Over in 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, I write, so that you might know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and grounds of the truth. And so when we come together, worship God is not to be taken something lightly. It's to give the great devotion, give great respect, give great honor to who? God Almighty. For who he is, what he's all about, to give him the honor he deserves because he's our creator, he's our redeemer, and many other things when it comes down to him. Over in Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, you're saying, now you're going to become a child of God, not just something that's going to be going on at worship service. Your whole lifestyle is devoted to God. And the way that you carry yourself, you're going to carry yourself where people understand that you have respect and reverence for God in everything that you do. And it tells us that God is holy. He wants us to be holy also. Over in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. God, when we're talking about something holy, holy means something that's set apart, something that's special, something without sin. And all of these things, when we think about God, this is what God truly is. And we're going to have a relationship with him. We ought to follow in those measures. But as we said other things about when you're going to hold someone or something in high esteem, you need to know who they are. And so the bottom line, we need to know God. God, we serve. He wants to be known. He don't want to be known just about him. He wants you to know him and have a personal relationship with him. As we read earlier in John 17 and verse 3. Life eternal, eternal life is to know God and know Jesus Christ. It tells us over in the Old Testament, over in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, not let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glory glories in this, that he understand and know me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for these I delight. When you get down to these things, these are some of the things where you can understand and know God. This time is winding down. I'm going to just uh, run through the last part in the way. Let's thank the world we live in. People uh, are writing more songs about love. More movies are made about love. and uh, More things are done about love than any other subject in the world. People don't still do not know what love truly is. If you really want to know what love is, you got to know God. The Bible tells us in John 4, 8 and 6, God is love. And when we look at that, it tells us, for example, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. God is patient. And at the end, it says, love never fails. It's talking about God. God never fails. Also, when we're thinking about Jesus, we have to have high reverence and respect for him. In our culture and society today, they do not. You know, we read the Bible. People still don't know Jesus. And the bottom line, they don't know Jesus because we read the Bible, we're not focusing on knowing him. Jesus is the Messiah. We got the first four books of the Bible that are trying to tell us so we can understand and know Jesus. And we'll read the first four chapters of the New Testament focusing on everything but that. And that's what the goal is. And uh, John simply said it. 
John was written, why? So you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through him you can have eternal life. God is, uh, Jesus is the second person of the heart, God, and he is God. It says, in the beginning was the word, word with God, and the word was God. Also, we can look at Jesus' miracles. And when you look at all the different miracles that he done, you would have high honor and respect for him because of all the things that he did. Jesus is the one had victory over Satan. And for that alone, you would have honor and respect for him. But when we look at Jesus and you want eternal life, you got to come to him. Over in John, it tells us that Jesus is the word of life, that Jesus is life. But people overlook the Bible tells us that Jesus is eternal life. The apostles said they hound touching everything about Jesus and that Jesus is eternal life. Oh, and John, the fifth chapter tells us that Jesus, if you want eternal life, you got to have Jesus. It simply says if you got Jesus, you got eternal life. If you don't have him, you do not have it. And John finally said in 1 John 5, 20, and we know, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true and in his son, Jesus Christ. And what did he say at the end? This is the true God and eternal life. And I ain't go further, but time running out, just simply say this. Eternal life is not a thing. It's not something out there. Eternal life is a person. It is God and son, Jesus Christ. More could be said, but that was how we're going to cover today.